0: Thanks for joining us at Smokies & Wine sponsored by and View Wealth Management working with you today to plan for your tomorrow. Get on over to smokiesandwine.co.uk to find out more. This week we are chatting remotely so we are not quite sharing a Bruce Jack Pinotage Malbec with our guest the silver-tongued cavalier of sports announcing Phil Seymour.
1: First off Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, you're our second guest because we're a very new podcast. Um,
2: yeah, I've been looking, and the guy you've got on next on episode three is a chef. He's a chef from St. Andrews, isn't he? The guy that was on MasterChef. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we, we watched that. We 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 love our food, as you can probably tell. And <laughs> we we watched all the cookery programs. I saw he was on. It was like, oh wow, that's that's quite cool. So that's good.
1: Yeah, he's really, really good as well. Um, he in, in terms of what he cooks and and the style he's got, he's got a few different things that he's working on. So I'm quite excited to hear what what he tells us next week in terms of his new new plans and things like that. I know a little bit about it, but I'll let him, you know, have all the fun and and, and announce it all next week. So uh, it should be a good one. Not as good as this one, I'm sure. You will be our favorite <laughs> guest so far. So far, sorry, Sam. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anyway.
2: You got to choose the wine for today,
1: and I think uh, it, I know really I to
2: you guys are you you guys are sat there drinking it, and I'm not, which is disgraceful. Bruce Jack Pinotage Malbec. It's do you know I'm I'm a Yorkshireman who's half Scottish. Okay, so by essence, I am the tightest human being on God's good earth. Right, so <laughs> I refuse to spend a fortune on wine. I think that's about seven quid a bottle. Which is... Well, like,
0: I can assure you this one wasn't a fortune. You're right.
2: Yeah. Well, that, that's that's roughly what I spend on wine. But what I really like about that wine is it, it tastes of cherry pie for me. It's got a real sort of right. dark cherry flavor, which I just personally just really, really like. Um, you know, it might that, not be... Your place. That's actually, that's
0: spot on, actually. Sorry? Yeah, totally spot on there. I'll give you that.
2: It's very nice. Very nice.
1: Thank you. Yeah, cheers. I've not got a drink. Obviously, um, well, have cheers to Jamie. Cheers. <laughs> uh, now, the, I know the reason that you're not drinking just now is you're obviously in the heat of battle um, against a certain Sean Murphy. I
2: am. Snooker's biggest loser. Yeah, I've got to do you, this. So just, I am still drinking. I've just cut right down. Um, so at the other weekend on Mother's Day, we had, a, we had a glass of champagne, myself and my, my much better half um, for Mother's Day. But I am... Trying to be good. We've got five weeks left to go. We started on the 1st of January. Myself and the triple crown winner, former world champion, Sean Murphy. Um, we both decided we're basically far too fat, so we needed to lose some weight. So we went <laughs> charity challenge um, until the eve of the world championships, which is one month today. Um, so, yeah, I've got a month to go. I'm winning at the moment, but I'm, now I've got to really sort of drive that home and, uh, and beat it. So I can't lose.
0: Have you have you hit a wall yet? Are you still driving
2: oh, I, through, or are you hit a wall? Listen, the, the pair of us have been hitting walls since day one. We we hit walls daily. Um, <laughs> we we're, we're both big guys. I've always been a big bloke. I used to be a lot bigger, and and I lost a lot of weight, and I've, it's been creeping mm-hmm. back on. Um, but you know, you, I think you you hit walls all the time. It's just a case of accepting sometimes that you're going to have a bad day, and. It's making sure that yeah, bad yeah. day doesn't turn into a bad week or a bad fortnight or a bad month. And, you know, if you have a bad day, you have a bad day. Sean, I think it was like the, the third fortnightly weigh in. He was down in Milton Keynes. I was down there as well. And uh, he said, Oh, it's cheat day. He said, Weigh in this morning, then cheat day. And I saw him the next day. I said, Are You all right, mate? He says, No, not really. So a couple of bottles of wine and a full box of After Eights last night. He said, I really did go to town. <laughs> <laughs> maybe not ideal, but, you know, that's why I'm winning.
1: It's obviously a friendly rivalry because you're doing it all for charity and things like that, but it must have felt quite good at the last weigh-in when Sean put on a couple of pounds rather than losing them.
2: Do you know, it It, it didn't, it didn't. It did because I, I really do want to beat him. I mean, we're both very competitive people, um, but it, what, what people don't see is in the background, on social media, we're ripping each other. You know, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, on Instagram. I'm, I'm showing pictures of donuts, things like that. We're, we're ripping each other. behind. The scenes, <laughs> nice one. We're texting each other daily, um, trying to support and help each other. So one part of me saying, yes, he put weight on, getting fantastic. The other half of me saying, why has he put weight on? You know, what's going on there? And I messaged him, trying to help him to, to get him back on track. So listen, I'm going to win but if I can win by just a pound, I'm happy. It's a win, isn't it? So it's all good.
0: So you're positive you're going to win, yeah? That's a done deal, yeah?
2: I've been positive since day one. About five years ago, I lost 10 stone in a year. Sean, Sean can't compete with that kind of complete nut job mentality that I've got that when I set my mind on something, it happens. But as we both said at the start, listen, 10 stone in a year. stone, I went down to under 15 stone in, in 12 months, yeah, yeah. Um, I was big, big, big. Wow, that's amazing. But we both said right at the start of this, if we can, the first of January until till mid-April, if we can both lose a couple of stone, but in doing so, have a bit of a laugh, put a smile on a few people's faces, raise a really decent amount for two very, very worthwhile charities, then everyone's a winner. You know, from from something that's about losing, yeah, everyone's totally. a winner. Um, you know, and it, it's really important that we don't lose sight of sort of why we're doing it. We, we, we're doing it because we're both weighing way too much. But Sean sort of, sort of positive that we can get from it. So um, it's been great, to be honest.
1: Yeah, everybody wins, eh? Exactly, yeah. Obviously, we can't sort of walk past the fact that it is for charity. So do you want to just tell people what the charities are?
2: Yeah, definitely. There's um, Jesse May, who their World Snooker Tour so chosen charity and have been for quite a few years. They provide... Uh, respite at home care for terminally ill children and their families. They do amazing stuff. I've got three kids and uh, Touchwood; they're, they're all fit, healthy, and well. Um, the, the the children, the families they deal with aren't. You know, the terminally ill children. They look after the children in, until the point that they pass, and but then they continue to look after the family, and they get continuity of care. So it's the same nurse looks after the child who then gives the care afterwards to the family for as long as they need it. There's no limits on the time. Um, the other charity, the charity that, that I volunteer with and fundraise for, which is uh, Kitchen for Everyone York, which, where I live in, the city that I've grown up in, um, it's effectively, they provide food for the homeless and less fortunate in society. Um, I've, I've been down there and sort of waited on tables, serving hot meals to some of the homeless population in York. But during the pandemic, They've been supplying food to food banks and that kind of thing when it's really been needed. Um, so an- another really, really great charity. So we chose, chose those two because one is closely linked to the snooker and the other I've got a close affiliation with. And I think we're at about three and a half thousand. I think Sean's got about a thousand put in for his century break. So if we can crack five grand and give each charity two and a half thousand pounds, that will make a huge difference to them. So that's, we set a goal of a thousand pounds. If we can reach five, that will be amazing.
0: Wow. Fantastic. That would be excellent. Well done. Thank you. Now, you, you mentioned one thing about the. I'm just going to dive straight in there. You mentioned about the World Championships in one month. What's your feeling on this? Because we're coming down. So we really want it to go ahead. We've got the inside information.
2: Yeah, yeah. It, it, the World Championships will happen. The, the question is whether it'll have a crowd or not. Now, it's been given test event status, which is fantastic, um, and now it's a case, I believe, of figuring out how many people they are actually allowed in there. I mean, the Crucible is a small venue anyway. Yeah. It's not, you know, it's not these big arenas, it's not these big auditoriums. it's a theatre. So it's already a small venue, so it's down to the government and World Snoop to sort work out how many spectators are allowed in each session, and doubtless in the next week or two, they'll they'll figure all that out and come up with it. So, it's, I see it as a massive positive. You know, it's it's getting fans back in, which is great.
0: Yeah, excellent. We we've been before, and the atmosphere it is amazing. It's legendary. But you know, if they only allow four people in, hopefully it's me, me and my mates.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. I I don't do the World Championships. Um, I, I've it's a BBC event, so Rob Walker does yeah. that one. I fill in yeah. for Rob. Um, there's generally one, maybe two days at the, at the crucible that he can't do. And I go and fill in. And what you say about it being special, I, I came down the steps, sort of into the arena, and the seats are so steeply banked because mm-hmm. it is like a theatre that yeah. it feels like the people are right on top of you. And as I walked down the steps, the hairs on the back of my neck just stood straight up. And I was like, mm-hmm. wow. You know that you're somewhere really special. You know, it's an incredible venue, really
1: is. Oh, yeah. We, we were there a couple of years ago, was it? A couple of years ago. Yeah. I was, Sean won't want to hear this. I was also there the year that Sean got beat by Stuart Bingham in the final. Uh, um, but, but, yeah, we, we
0: sat down when we got in, and we just couldn't get the smells off our faces for about, <laughs> for about an hour. We're just like kids in a candy shop, man. It was just amazing to be there. Do
2: you know, it's, it's certain, certain venues just have that really special feel to them and for Snooker the Crucible is is absolutely one of those places. Um, you know, it's it's amazing. I'm lucky to work across a few different sports and I've been fortunate enough to work in a lot of really special venues. And when you do, you you do sort of pinch yourself. You've got to sort of look around and really take yeah. it in because you you know, you can't you don't do that every week. You don't get to do that all the time. And it's you know a very fortunate position that, that I find myself in sometimes. So yeah, yeah you,
0: grow up, you grow up seeing it on TV, don't you? And then mm-hmm. you're all, all of a sudden you're there in the middle of it. It's mental.
2: Yeah, it's crazy. It, it really is, you know. And like I said, the Crucible was was very much one of those. I mean, as far as Snooker's is concerned, it, it doesn't it doesn't get better than the Crucible. Although I've got to say, we've got um, the the tour championship which comes up next week. Yeah, up at Celtic. Norm, not yeah. That's a Celtic man. That's normally in Clandigno at, at Venue Cymru. That. It's a brilliant place. You know, it really is fantastic. The the scenery there, the views, the people that come, they go every year. The same as the people go to Crucible go every year. People tend to make a few days of it or a full week. And you get this real sort of feeling that it's a bit like Cheltenham when the races is on. It's the whole town is snooker for that week. Yeah, And it's, it's similar around the Crucible, but... We're quite lucky in as much as I think snooker fans are, they're a special breed in as much as they're sort of very dedicated to the sport and they tend to make places snooker places when the snooker's there. Sure. Um, you know, I, I see it in York when the UK champs is here and, you know, you walk down the street, you bump into Hendry or, or Davies or whoever, and it, it becomes a snooker city for that fortnight. H-
0: but Hendry wouldn't say hello to you, would he? You know what Hendry's like.
2: <laughs> Do you know? <laughs> Stephen, um, it you know he's a great guy in many ways. When my daughter was born two years ago, in fact, yeah, two years ago, we were in and um, Lottie was two weeks old, and I'd managed to, to finish early on the evening because Nick, my partner, was bringing her across. And we we went to the hotel. We sat in the bar. We got a bottle of wine. Lottie's fast asleep, laid on my chest. And I think there was a, a harpist or a pianist on or something. Anyway, the snook finished quite early. All the ITV guys came in, and Jill Douglas came in straight across. oh, my God, it's Lottie, it's Lottie, came across. Henry walked in, went to the bar, turned to the right, saw us, and he went, Phil, is that even real? <laughs> Jill turned round, and she went, Stephen, that is a she, not a that. <laughs> and Henry was very much like... Whoa!
0: Downtown, anger chill. <laughs> no, Henry's our hero. Like we we grew up like we're snooker geeks, and we grew up with Henry being winning everything. And he is definitely. Well, what do you our make of
2: the comeback
0: then? Um, I wasn't a <laughs> I wasn't a fan. I don't know what you think the sight, right? But I we've been chatting, and and I don't think his cue action is the same as it was. And I know that was never going to happen. But it's like he's sort of speeding through the hit to try and get over his fear of the yips, maybe. So it seems smooth and then it just seems a little bit rushed through the ball. I, I don't know. It,
2: he's, he's doing better. I don't even if nerves played a part in the game against Salty. Um, possibly. Yeah. It's, I, I interviewed Stephen um, down in Milton Keynes the other week just, just before when he just found out who he was going to play. And I also spoke to John Higgins about it and I spoke to Ronnie about it as well. And it was really interesting. Anyone, I think John Higgins said it, anyone that takes nine years away exactly. and yeah, he's oh, been right. playing But there's there's playing snooker and there's playing snooker. You know, it's very, very different to be playing against top players. And I can't think who it was, but it was John or Ronnie that said it. They said that they, they thought he was in for a big shock because he commentates on the TV tables and he watches the TV tables. So he watches Selby, Judd, Neil Robertson, Ronnie, John, Matt Williams. He watches those guys and he's looking at them thinking, yeah. You know, they're a level above me. But he said, what Stephen doesn't realise is, on the outside tables, the level of play out there has improved stratospherically since he retired. You know, the the world 93, the world... Jordan Brown, world number 81, won the Welsh Open. The world number 81 isn't a knockover job. You know, you you can't, as Stephen Hendry, nine years out, just come back and just expect to steamroll all those guys. And I think it was, it was either John or Ronnie. They said they think he's in for a bit of a shock because he doesn't realise the strength in depth. But listen, time will tell. But it's a great story for Snooker. it's, oh, it's fantastic. It's, oh, I, wish, it's, I want him to do well. Oh, you know, I really listen, want
0: him to do well. He's, he's, my, he's my hero, so I really want him to do well. But, you know, with me, the jury's out. But I loved it. It's great that he's back. It's fantastic.
2: It's, it's a real pity it's taken so long. It would have been great to see him coming earlier in the season. But he explained that to me, that he... He was hoping to get a card for next season, not this season.
0: Right, right, right.
2: But I think Barry offered in it and gave him, I think, 24 or 48 hours to decide in in (laughs) freestyle. Um, And it was like literally, look, you either do it or you don't. It's up to you. So he had to do it. But then I think he wanted to enter the Pro Series, but not the one he'd been put in and and different things. But he said that he's seeing the the Gibraltar Open – and the World Championship qualifiers as a free hit because these for him are a bonus because he wasn't expecting to start until next season. So he's seen a bit of a free hit, see how it goes, gives him a chance to sort of road test things. And I'd I'd love to see him do well. I really would. I don't think he's going to be troubling the likes of Judd and Robbo and and Selby. I really don't. But it would be great to see him win a few matches and, and see some of that He's the ultimate competitor, isn't he? So he won't want to lose. That is for sure. Oh. Yeah,
0: the fairy fairy tale story. Even when he got his century, I couldn't. But that was just amazing. He's seven seven six. That's just I amazing. Watching it,
2: it was it was great, wasn't it? But he's ruined all his social media handles. He's S Henry seven seven five, and now he's not because he's seven seven six. So he's ruined it for himself. But no, he's um. Look, Stevens a legend. He's, he's a legend. Whatever happens with the comeback. He remains a legend, and he always will be. I think he retired too early initially. Um, if you can make a one-four-seven against, I think against John or against Bingham, if you can reach the quarterfinals of the World Championships, you, you, your game is not in the, the kind of shape he, he reckoned it was. Um, but you know, yeah. you, he's Stephen Henry; he can do what he likes.
1: Yeah, high standard, is it? <laughs>
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it's, it's hard
1: to go from the commentary on back onto the table, so I'm, I agree with that.
2: <laughs> hey, listen, as someone that's horrifically colourblind and doesn't play snooker because of that reason, I I have complete admiration for all of these guys. So, um, you know, fair play to
1: them. Other bit of good news, or I think it's good news anyway, that's came on about just the tour in general is obviously there's now um, two women going to get the cards.
2: Yeah, fantastic news. Um, it's great. They've been knocking on the door, to be honest. I, I was A couple of months ago, I, we were just chatting in the media centre, as we do, and I, I said, you know, it's about time we saw Rihanna on the tour, really. Um, we saw the, the champion of champions, not last year, the year before. Uh, I had seen it. She played Sean. And I think it was a best of seven. She went 3-0 down, got back to 3-0, and lost the match 4-3 and was unlucky to lose it as well. I remember that, yeah. She has got it, but I think one of the keys for me is that she needs to be playing in tournament conditions, on tournament tables, against tour players week in, week out. And only then, then and only then, can we see what her and on year are capable of because they've both proven, you know, they've got the skill, they've got the quality, but until they're doing that, that will help develop their game and their confidence and everything else. Rhiannon will beat some of the guys. Rhiannon will beat some of the guys. A lot of people online are saying, "Oh, it's gonna." People are saying, "Oh, it's gonna be bad news for the women's game. They're gonna come on tour and lose every match." They won't. They absolutely, one hundred percent, won't. And the difference that will make, the impact that can have on the sport of snooker, on women in snooker, on young girls watching it and thinking, Do you know I could give that a crack?" Because at the moment, the the women's game, with the best football in the world, it doesn't have that depth and it needs youngsters coming through to, to give it that. This will really, really help. So it's fantastic and I can't wait to see it. Rihanna is a great character. Um, I don't know on you particularly, but but Rihanna, you know, and she's a, she's a really, really good character.
1: Just want to ask, just what I'm just thinking there, how's your legs? Because you not start running again this week?
2: Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I, I started yesterday. Do you know what, I am... I, um, when i lost my weight initially running was something i started doing and i got up to i was running like half marathons and that kind of thing and but i'm plagued with injury and my calves are made of glass effectively um they just don't they, i run i run it's all going well pop calf goes so a couple of weeks ago i went out for a run everything going well got to 3k bang calf went that's it done and I've learned now to rest, so I, I didn't do any more running. And then yesterday I went out, did a, went out to do a bit of a run and did a 5K, and it was, it was very nice. So, yeah, my legs feel fine, actually. They felt a bit heavy this morning, but they feel, yeah, they feel all right. So I, just, I need to step that up. That's one of the keys to, to beating Sean, because he's doing no exercise, really. So I've, I've got to do that.
0: To avoid those injuries, you need to get yourself a bike,
2: get out cycling, less injuries. Do you know, I've got one. Um, but the roads in york at the moment are so bad they are literally it's whole <laughs> city around here and plus to burn the same amount of calories i've got to do two hours on my bike for a, a half hour 40 minute run and having little ones at home it's it's not easy so i try and get as many calories burned as i can and get home and get done so but yeah i love my bike it's it's great especially i am a bit of a fair weather cyclist i don't know what you're like but when the sun's out, I'll go out on my bike. When the sun's not out, yeah.
1: <laughs> we're the same. <laughs> Very windy where we live, so there's certain days you just you're going backwards. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we just we phone each other in the morning and just cancel it.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Do you know what? It, it's really funny. I living if you've been to York, York is a pancake. We're a veil, so we're completely flat. We ha- we have zero hills. Um, there's like one, I think two tiny little hills, but no real hills. Celtic Manor where. I am next week with the snooker is the hilliest place. So it's literally like this and it's all steep living in York and running in York. I can't run on Hills because I'm just not used to them at all. So it kills me. It was like, Oh, Oh yeah, but it's good for stamina. I'm like, yeah, that's if I can get up it, but I can't. So it's, it's going to be a challenge next week to find somewhere flat enough. I'm exactly the same on the bike again, because I'm used to the veil it's so flat. Got the bike. As soon as I hit a hill, I'm dead. I'm gone.
0: Get a running partner in uh, Ronnie
2: O'Sullivan. He'll go for a run with you. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Have you seen the speeds he runs at? Seriously, he, he's <laughs> a phenomenal runner. He's like, I think he's only at one point he was like 32 minutes for 10k, which is phenomenal running. Oh, he's an absolute shocker. We were in. Where were we? Belfast. Uh, three years ago for the Northern Ireland Open, and we have been chatting on the Friday night about running and different things. And I said, um, a friend of mine in Belfast taking me to Parkrun in the morning. He said, oh, really? He said, can I hop in and, and go with you? I said, yeah, yeah, you're more than welcome, Ronnie. He took my number. He said, I'll text you in the morning, see how things go time-wise tonight, and see how things go. And he got to the morning, texted me, said, look, I'm, I'm playing Selby this afternoon, so no, I'm not going to come. And I went, did parkour with my friend, got back, got changed, suit on, got to the snooker. And I think Selby was world number one. That was the tournament Judd won, which put him on his on the run that he's been on. So Selby was, was number one in the world. So I was introducing Ronnie out first. So I've got Ronnie's instruction in my head, introduce Ronnie out. And then while Ronnie's walking, I'm going through the Selby instruction in my head. Yeah, So world number one. Jester from Leicester, three-time world champion, blah, blah, blah. And it's all in my head, just waiting to be queued by a director. And Ronnie walked behind me, stopped, and went, how did Parker go, Phil? And I turned around, and I'm like, oh. <laughs> I went, yeah, really good. Thanks. Cue Phil in my ear, and I was like, oh, my word. Thankfully, I managed to get it back, but just for that split second... Mark Selby's introduction had, had left my head completely, and I was just like, "Oh no, don't do that." But yeah, so yeah, Ronnie's Ronnie's an incredible runner, but no, to, to actually run with him, I'll leave that to Rob Walker. I think he's the uh, he's the proper runner. Is All he right. a decent runner? Or is he Rob? Rob, yeah. Well, he he weighs two stone three pounds, soaked wet through, doesn't he? And he's about eight foot six, <laughs> so he's he's completely built for it. Unless it's windy. If it's windy. Going the wrong way, he's no chance. But no, he's a really good runner, is Rob. Yeah, very good.
1: He just needs a bit more energy when he's doing the presenting, I think. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Do you know, he's, um, he's, he's one of those people, a bit like John McDonald who does the darts. I'd never really yep. actually met Rob because like ships are passing the night because I'm here, he's there. And if he's not there, I'm there and, and he's somewhere else. And so you never actually see each other. And it, it's been quite nice for the. Um, the ITV event recently, because he's been working for ITV while I've been there doing the announcing and the stuff for, for World Snooker Tour. So it's been really nice to actually get to know Rob a bit because people always, they always compare you. They always, oh, he's not as good as Rob Walker. Why isn't Rob Walker? And, all this? and I think, well, I sort of admire what Rob does. I watch him and he's someone that I look up to, but I've never really met the guy. And, you know, away from the cameras, I would say he's actually even more hyper than he is on. <laughs> really? do you know it's incredible I, I, went out, I was in Milton Keynes the other week and I went out for a bit of a run walk and I bumped into Rob and we, we walked back but like I say he's, he's about 8 foot 6 and his legs are like 3 metres long so he's walking and I'm having to jog just to keep up with his walking and while he's walking at that speed his mouth's going <laughs> even faster but he's a, he's a great guy he's one of those real sort of life enriching characters he's one of those people that you meet and you, you feel better with yourself afterwards because he is such a character, and he's he's got a lot of stories. You know, he's never worked with everyone.
0: We need to get him on. Yeah, he's just like JB. He's very infectious.
2: Yeah, yeah. Listen, <laughs> listen so if he you, has an infection. <laughs> if you can get Rob Walker on, you'll you'll have a cracking podcast. Great character.
1: I might 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 get your help to tap him up for that. Then <laughs> <laughs> I've got to ask because you and I have had a little bit of back and forth on it on it previously, but. You're obviously on the telly a lot. Nothing's open. How are you keeping your hair in that condition?
2: <laughs> I have a, I have a very, uh, a, a very clever girlfriend.
1: Ah. Um, right.
2: She she has an amazing job, but she can also clip her hair, which is uh, key.
1: One person who doesn't clip his hair is obviously Neil Robertson, who's sporting the same hairdo as
2: Lottie at the moment. You know, Robbo's hair is amazing, isn't it? It really, you know, he's a person I've got a lot of time for. He's he, as a as a human being, as a soul, he's one of the kindest people you could ever wish to meet. Um, and his his hair really is fantastic. He turned up to uh, I think I can't remember which event it was, but he had he wears like a beanie hat normally, but he put this picture on yeah. Instagram in the morning, and I saw him and I went, "Is that right under there?" And he says, "You've seen it on Instagram, Phil. It is what it is." <laughs> I thought, fantastic. I mean, it's it's some mop of hair. See, it
0: raises the question to me that that's not fake, that's real, but his hair before that,
2: that now looks fake to me. It's like, how can it be so straight? His, his hair is like, it's like curly ginger normally. So he dyes it blonde and he, and he has it straightened and kept short. My, my hair is naturally really curly. It's, it's sort of wavy, so I keep it really short because I just don't like it going like that. Clearly, Neil must must straighten it and everything else. But Neil Robertson, for me, last year told you a lot about Neil Robertson. When the Crucible was postponed, Robert went out on social media straight away and said, look, you know, players like me are fine. Players like me are, are absolutely fine. Players lower down the rankings, they rely on their Crucible money to survive and to, to feed themselves and their families. And he actually offered all the players on the tour, if they wanted him to loan them what they would get at the Crucible, he was willing to do that to look after people. Whoa. Which, I don't know if anyone took him up on it or not, but effectively, they knew the World Championship was going to happen but later in the year, but he knew there was going to be some players who would really struggle to get from from there to there. And he was willing to sort of sub them their Crucible money, which, for me, that, that speaks absolute volumes about the kind of person Neil is. And he is, that—that that is just how he is. And I've got to say, in the last few years, he's hes said a lot of kind things to me about the work that I do, which I really appreciate. He doesn't have to. And, you know, we all have a bit of a laugh at his hair. He has a bit of a laugh at his hair at the moment as well. But it's his little girl's birthday today. It's his little girl's second birthday. And him, Miller, his fiance's family... They are just genuinely lovely, lovely people. But yeah, his hair's hilarious.
1: <laughs> yeah, sounds a great guy.
2: Yeah, he, he is.
1: You cover the snooker. It's not just snooker, obviously, that you do. You, you do a bit of the boxing as well.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I actually started off in rugby. Um, I'm, a, I'm a rugby man by heart. I played rugby. I coached rugby to a, to a decent level. Um, and I stadium announced in, in rugby league for, for Wakefield Trinity in Super League. I've done that for. About twelve years, I think now, and I did York, my club before that. Everything else kind of came off the back of that, really. So yeah, the boxing—I've been a, a licensed boxing MC for ten years this year, and you know that—that's taken me to some some amazing places. I've done some some great things in boxing, and from that, wrestling, pool, fishing, darts, snooker, obviously. You know, I've been really, really fortunate that I'm, I'm a sports fan. This is this is a thing I'm—I am a sports fan I will sit at home I will watch sport on TV No, don't really care what it is it's sport I'll watch it I was watching the racing earlier today I'll watch football I'll watch rugby I'm a massive boxing fan a big snooker fan huge rugby fan obviously but I just love sports. so to be able to work across a number of sports for me it's just a complete treat really I was and you might keep me right here or not but was there
1: not a story about Lennox Lewis making you a cup of tea? Yeah
2: yeah, I did the um, the ITV boxing uh, when Eubank Junior was coming through, and he boxed All right, yeah. Reynolds Quinlan for the IBO title um Olympia Olympia in London. And I grew up. Len- Lennox Lewis was was the heavyweight when I was a kid. Was obviously, Lewis and Tyson, but as a Brit, Lennox Lewis was was the the man. And it's someone that I'd never met. Uh, went down to London, and I was doing the big Westfield shopping centre for the weigh-in on the Friday. And I'm up there on the stage, getting everything ready, warming the crowd up. We've done sort of the undercard weigh-ins, and I look to my left, are We all, are we all ready? And they're like, no, 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 Eubank Jr. is running late. Can you interview Andre Ward and Lennox Lewis? Well, Andre was the pound-for-pound best boxer yep. in the world at the time. Lennox Lewis is Lennox Lewis. And I was stood there on the stage going, yeah. <laughs> absolutely i can so they came out introduced to the crowd interviewed him all went well did the weigh-in next day i'm at olympia and i had been asked to go in early to sort of do some rehearsals for the ring walks and i'm sat in this this little room chatting to andre ward about our kids and our families and we're showing each other pictures on our phone phones of our kids while lennox made us both a cup of tea <laughs> and it was one of those moments that I'm, I'm just pinching myself, going, "Is this actually happening?" I'm sat with Andre Ward talking about our kids, while Lennox makes the brew. Later on, when the when the show was actually going on on night, I, I had to go ringside to to get something from one of the boxing board officials, and I leant over this desk and I felt someone pinch my bum, and I thought, "How does that turn around?" And it's Lennox behind, and I thought. Well, I'm not going to say anything. He's Lennox Lewis. <laughs> <laughs> Lennox Lewis is going to pinch my bum. It's one of those things. Don't slap him. <laughs> no, no, absolutely not. But yeah, it's, you know, it was, it was great to to meet Lennox and and just have moments like that. For me, are, are just incredible. You know, they're sort of money can't buy moments. You know, you can buy tickets to go watch a sporting event. You ain't going to get a brew made from Lennox Lewis. Stuff like that for me is just just really special.
1: How tall are you, Phil? if you don't mind me asking. Six foot one. Right. So that's not a small guy, but standing next to Lennox, how, how did that feel? Because obviously he's a bit bigger than that.
2: It's not just that. It, it's,
1: it's the stature of him.
2: Yeah, it's the stature. It isn't just what you're looking at. It's the fact that you've watched him knock out massive blokes. It's, it's really funny. I, obviously, I do boxing weigh-ins and stuff. And when it's the little flyweights and, and the lightweight... I'll stand there, I'll announce them, and they'll go head to head. And if they get a bit, I'll go, yeah, all right, Matt, you know, off, off you go. <laughs> sort of middle weights and up. If anything kicks off, I am well out of the way. It's, it's, you think, no, thank you. There was a moment I did a, a weigh in in Liverpool for Dillian White um, when he was coming through against uh, Non Yashvili. I think he's was a Georgian, Georgian kid. And they're on the scales, Non Yashvili weighed in. And this guy's like 6'3", he's a big guy, he's a heavyweight. And it was on Sky, and the, the cameraman went just face this way, arms up, and none of the three stood there went like this. And one of Dillian White's mates came around the back and de him. <laughs> <laughs> he had your typical Eastern European grey joggers, oh, and yeah. he just, poof, straight down. And that was it. It sort of went off, and I'm thinking, yeah, no, I, I want no part of that. <laughs> I'm like... I'm outside the venue somewhere with a microphone going, yeah, I'll go back in when it's all calmed down. But when it's the little fellows, I don't mind so much. But those guys, I mean, you do look at them sometimes and you think, wow, you know, they are massive.
0: But they're all like six foot four minimum, aren't they? Six foot five. It's crazy.
2: It's not just that. I mean, you, you look at, I was stood next to Anthony Joshua in London once, a, a show that he wasn't on, and I was just there as a fan. And Eddie Hernd invited me as a guest, and I'm stood next to AJ, and he had this, this I say a tight T-shirt, it was probably XXL. But <laughs> the T-shirt, and I was looking at the guy's arms, and I'm thinking, my thighs aren't that big. You know, and it's like, their arms. They're not meant to look like that. And, you know, you look at some of these guys, and you just think, wow. You know, you t- to put yourself in front of them to get punched in the face,
1: no, no. <laughs> now, you mentioned AJ there. I know you've also interviewed Tyson Fury in the past. They've just announced that, you know, they've agreed terms and all the rest of it. We don't know where it's going to be, but who do you think comes out on top there? Oh,
2: do you know that, that million dollar question there? Firstly, I think it's brilliant they are. They, they had to. They yeah. really had to.
0: It's what everybody's wanting.
2: Yeah, it's really difficult. Ty- Tyson is a fighter. He's a fighter, full stop. I think his boxing skills are massively underestimated. Massively underestimated. The job that he did on Wilder in that last fight was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. The job Amazing. that he did on Klitschko, which bear in mind, this was Klitschko, 18 months, two years, younger than when he fought Joshua – and put yep. Joshua on his bum. I just worry now that Tyson's been inactive, he's a little bit older. And I just think I don't know. I personally I back Tyson to win. I think Tyson 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 wins a fight, I think.
1: That's what J B thinks as well. Yeah. He's he's Joshua and Tyson, so
2: Josh Joshua's shown that he can be chinny. Yeah. You know, realistically, Klitschko, at the age he was at when he fought Joshua, should not have been putting him on his backside. He shouldn't have been. He did prove in that fight, though, that he can come through adversity, get up and, and do it. Um, yeah, yeah. He, of course, lost Theron Squire to Ruiz. So it's it's really tricky. It's going to be the cageiest fight ever because neither of them is going to want to take one from the other, but I think they're going to have to give a bit to take a bit back. So yeah. he's, I think, t- personally, I think Tyson wins the fight. Um, yeah. but you know it's going to be a lot of fun watching them it's going to be an awful lot of fun watching them
0: where do you think it'll happen as well because they're saying it's definitely not Wembley apparently
2: oh you know I, I don't know I can see the first one being being overseas somewhere probably the Middle East um, there's a lot of money out there and they want that kind of prestigious thing but I can see the second being overhead I think I think, are they talking about this summer I think for the first
1: mm-hmm. well if yeah. that's
2: the case to do it at Wembley or, or Cardiff, Millennium Stadium, the, sorry, Principality Stadium, to do it in one of those, you'd want a full house. And yeah. I don't know whether they're going to be able to have a full house this summer in those venues. So I can see the first one being over in the Middle East, somewhere like that, and then the second one being at, at Wembley or, or the Principality. And, I mean, that's massive. It, it's it's the biggest fight in world boxing. It's the biggest all-British fight ever. I would suggest. Um, yep. It'll be incredible. It will be an absolutely incredible spectacle. I know a couple of the guys in the training camp with Tyson, and he is looking so lean and ready already. You know, don't don't take any of this, oh, yeah, I'm on the beer. He's not. <laughs> he is looking really, really sharp. Um, and I know AJ, AJ will be in, in prime condition. We know that. Yeah. But... It will be the best Tyson Fury in that ring.
0: You'll need to be in good condition as well yourself, mate, to do the announcing. Yeah, no chance.
2: <laughs> Absolutely zero chance of that gig, sadly. It would be nice, but but no chance.
1: Just on that, obviously, there's a lot of different commentators in a lot of different sports. You've got yourself and Rob in the, in the snooker. You've got John McDonald in the darts. And then you've got the the, the, the boxing ones obviously you've got the big American ones Michael Buffer and David Diamante I'm slightly biased I love Craig Steven up here well,
2: Craig Craig's a real good friend of mine so um, I've known Craig for years we used to years ago I was Craig's understudy on the Frank Maloney cards right okay um, when David Price was coming through so Craig Craig is a guy that I've got an awful lot of time and respect for um, lovely lovely man
1: yeah, massive pro. There was one. I am. I, invo- I've got. A, I'm a licensed uh, official for the boxing. Right, um, right. So I do a bit of work with Craig, and I'm going to lead up to this this question. But we were about um, up in Aberdeen, and the ambulance didn't turn up. Um, so because of that, none of the fights could go ahead. You've got a rowdy crowd that are already halfway through their night. They've had their meal. They've had their wine. They've had their beers. So they're at that stage where they're ready for the fights and nothing could happen. Craig had to get up and start doing karaoke for them. <laughs> and that was how he kept the crowd going. And he got some of the boxers in to sing along and <laughs> he was brilliant. He was, you know, the total professional. Have you ever had any sort of disasters that you've had to save? You
2: know, it, well, it, it, it wasn't savable, sadly, but, one thing that you have to do, you've got to stay professional and you've got to try and calm the crowds down. And there was a, a show which it went on to be, become known as the Battle of Barnsley. And
0: Now, this was a snooker tournament, yeah?
2: <laughs> not quite. Barnsley Metrodome, and there was a Barnsley fighter against a Leeds fighter. And unbeknownst to us, the Barnsley football fans and the Leeds football fans, the the, the trouble element, had, had been online and arranged to use this as a meet. So I announced the boxers into the ring and then I, I went off sort of into the corner of the arena. So you've got the, the ring in the middle with the dinner tables around it and then you've got like banked seating. And I'm in the corner between these two seats. Turned out all the Barnsley fans were in one and all the Leeds fans were in the other. First round started and these started, Barnsley, Barnsley, other one. Leeds, Leeds, Leeds. <laughs> I'm stood in between them in the corner thinking, this, this isn't going to end well, this. You know, this something something's gonna happen i think we've got second round and i saw the first bottle come over the top and i thought oh good lord and with that both stands pretty much emptied straight down and it just started and i thought right i need to get to the ring i need to get the microphone i need to try and try and calm this and stop it so i was like blinkers on straight through got to the ring they'd stopped the boxing got to the ring got the microphone Ladies and gentlemen, please return to your seats, blah, blah, blah. Um, the whole venue is covered by CCTV. Please return to your seats or the boxing cannot continue. Please clear the aisles for the ambulances. You know, everything we try and do to calm it down. And it wasn't, it wasn't salvageable. The show got got pulled, it got cancelled. You know, it ended quite tragically a couple of the supporters, I think. And I came out after I, I didn't really think about it. Um, but a friend of mine was in the stand on the other side. And he ran, I was sat in my car afterwards on the way out at the venue, and my mate rang me up. He said, you, Firstly, Phil, he said, Are you all right? I said, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine, yeah. He said, Well, that was the funniest thing I have ever seen. I said, What do you mean? <laughs> he said, There is all hell breaking loose. He said, There's chairs, tables, bottles going. He said, We're watching it off the other side. He said, while there's complete carnage going on, this fat bloke in a dinner suit walked <laughs> straight through the middle of it. He says, you stepped over a bloke at one point. He said, but you just didn't care. He said, there's bottles going over your head. He said, you just walked straight through it all, got the microphone and got into the ring. He said, it was the funniest thing I have ever seen in my life. And I thought, was it, was it like that close? Was it that serious? And I hadn't thought about it at all. I just thought, I've got to get there. So I went and that, and that was it. And uh, yeah, you look back and you think, I should have probably just gone
1: Pure professionalism, eh? Tunnel vision.
2: <laughs> what you've got to do.
1: Brilliant. I want to bring it back to the the snooker's uh, biggest loser. For anyone that's listening, that does want to help out with the, with the cause and things like that, where would they go to? You know, your just given pages and, and things like that, Phil.
2: Yeah, if you just just Google snooker's biggest loser, you should find the GoFundMe page is probably right at the top. If you're on Facebook. If you search for Snooker's Biggest Loser, there is a Facebook page for it and you'll find all the links, etc., on that. We've had we've done like quite a few auctions and things on there for some of the shootout shirts. Um piece of art that was signed by Stephen Hendry. Uh, we've
1: that actually with the the queue. The
2: yeah, there, there's a couple more things going to be going on there in the next few weeks that are gonna be really, really special. So yeah, make sure that you're you're on the Facebook page for Snooker's Biggest Loser. Just search for that on Facebook, you'll find it on there. But yeah, it's a GoFundMe page for donations. So if you just Google Snooker's biggest loser, I'm pretty sure it comes up first anyway in the search results. So yeah, please please do that. If anyone, you know, whatever people can afford. We know times are really tight for everyone at the moment, and you know, us guys included, but you know, anything anyone can give is is really greatly accepted. So yeah, thank you.
1: Once you've beaten Sean, it's I I'm 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 a bit like you, had but I hope this doesn't come come across wrong. But I would say I'm a yo yo dieter. You know, yeah, I'm up yeah. down, up, down, up, down. <laughs> Mate, I think the strings are broken once you win once you win this how do you keep at that level then
2: well i've I've actually uh, the first of January I, I set myself a goal of what I wanted to lose sort of by the summer I won't be there by the end of snooker's biggest loser so i've got I've got more work to do after that really to get to where I want to be but but once I'm there it's just a case of not letting myself slip I think in the last few years I lost all the weight in the last few years, I've not put loads of it back on, but I've put a few stone back on. And for me, and possibly for you, if, if you were a yo-yo dieter, you look at a couple of, yeah, you look at a few stone, and you think, that's all right, I can manage that, yeah. that's fine. Whereas people that have never done that go, a couple of stone? Wow, how can you do that? That's a leg, blah, blah, blah. And it, it scares the hell out of them. I look and I think, at, least at the start of this year, I looked, and I thought, right, I need to lose... Probably just shot four stone, which is doable by the summer. I, you know, I can do that. And then I just need to not let myself slip. It's really difficult. We spend a lot of time in hotels on the yeah. road, and when the bars are open, you, you finish you going to bar, you have a drink with everyone, and it's this social thing, you know. And you think it's hotel meals, hotel hotel breakfasts. You know, at the moment we're all it's all takeaway food and that kind of thing because yeah. no restaurants open. So. It is difficult, but it's a case of making the right the right choices. And when I lost the weight before I was staying in hotels a lot. And it's just a case of planning ahead and, and doing the right things. So once I'm there, maintaining it is a lot easier than, than losing it. So Well, on the same subject, you got
0: any advice because I want to put some weight on. What what could I do? Normally just
2: <laughs> just eat what I do.
1: <laughs> Are you like me? Do you have two wardrobes? Oh yeah. Yeah.
2: Well, I I threw everything out um, when when I first lost it. Cause, I mean, my, I've got one suit. I've got one of my old suits, which is like
1: yeah, yeah.
2: You know, a two man tent really. Now when I look at it, but it's it's quite funny. The a lot of the suits that I wear for the snooker on TV, I actually have a couple of different waistcoats. The jackets are okay. The trousers are okay. You wear a belt, but waistcoats are a different thing and. There's one of the blue suits I've got at the moment. I had a waistcoat. I was well, I wore at the World Grand Prix right before Christmas. And there's pictures of me in it, and you can just see the buttons sort of starting to pull. <laughs> well, that's the bigger one of the waistcoat. Oh, I'm, now, shit. I'm now on the smaller one. And when I put that bigger one on, it gapes. And you can pull it sort of right off my chest. So I, I look at that now and think, actually, yeah, this is good. That goes back in the wardrobe now for a bit, but that I can see it's hard to see your progress sometimes, but with that, I can really see sort of how well it is going and it's, uh, it's really happening. But yeah, I'm like, yeah, you know, I've got like three different sets of shirts yeah. that are different sizes. So it's what you do.
1: And do you think if regardless of who wins, I can, Im- I can only imagine that this can only help Sean for the world, because if you lose a little bit of weight, you're, queuing, all those sorts of things we'll bending over the table is just that little bit easier
2: Yeah, yeah, he's, he's talked about this quite a lot actually, and do you know what I've got to say, for for all he, he, the last fortnightly way and he put a couple of pounds on he looks massively different, I mean he from, from when we started in January you can really, really tell, and pe- people keep saying, oh how can you have been heavier than Sean you don't look it, but they see me in a suit, head on they see Sean bent over a snooker table from all yeah. angles. Yeah. It's never flattering. Let's be honest. There's a reason Selby, Judge, Robbo, and all those are a stick thing because otherwise it looks awful on telly. And he's he's got to be. He's spoken about this in interviews that reaching for shots, he can he can now already play shots he couldn't play at the start of January without using a rest. Although he is very good with the rest, you so should maybe go back to it, but. <laughs> He, he lost weight a couple of years ago to get married. And he, he said that, that he played his best snooker then. When, when he lost the weight, yeah. best snooker. You must um, do, yeah. I guess you've got to make some adjustments. But, do you know, I wouldn't rule him out for the Crucible. I know he's, he's not been in the best of form, but I wouldn't rule him out because he is a player who, he's got proven pedigree over the longer form of the game. Um, he's got a bit of a break. He's got the Pro Series next week. the the latter stages of that. He's not in the tour championships. He's got a bit of a break, time to practice, time to actually get home, because he's been spending a lot of time over here when he's living in in Southern Ireland at the moment. So it's going to have a bit of family time, plenty of practice time. He could get to the crucible firing, and I wouldn't be surprised if he did.
0: Well, if if losing weight sort of improves your game a wee bit, and it would be hard to do the way he's currently playing, but he's our favourite. Could you get John Higgins on your diet?
2: Get John (laughs) <laughs> John doesn't need to die, did you see him the other week? He was amazing, but if he gets uh-huh. better,
0: if he loses a few pounds,
2: imagine how good he'd be. Do you know, as a, as a snooker fan, <clears throat> watching John Higgins that week was just different level. It was off the chart. Yeah. yeah, players' championship, wasn't it? Right? He beat Jordan Brown the first round. Um, yeah. Was it six? No, it was six, no, wasn't it?
0: you ah, he went 6-0, 6-0, 6-0 or something. Yeah, yeah
2: but I, I, there was a load of stuff online, oh Jordan Brown, oh he's won the Welsh, he's gone over there, he's got done six days, flashing the pan and all this. In his next game, he beat be I mean, Selby six nil. Yeah. Never he
0: only got scored seven points.
2: Yeah, that, that flash in the pan that is Mark Selby.
0: Aye. <laughs> you three, think, Mark Selby three balls, can you believe that? Three balls and six frames, that's oh, nuts. It
2: was I, I think he potted more whites than he did anything else, didn't he, Selby that match? Which is ridiculous. The funny thing was the Kyron Wilson match in his semi-finally played Kyron. And I think the mid-session interval was 4-0 to John. Yeah. And I was backstage waiting to reintroduce them. And the back of the tunnel at Milton Keynes for those is right underneath where ITV have their studio. So they're stood on this podium at the back of the big triangular tunnel. I'm to the side and up above, you've got Jill, Stephen and Falsey. And Jill's reintroducing them. The players are stood there. And Jill said, could we be about to watch John Higgins be the first ever player, bar the shootout, to reach a ranking event final without dropping a frame? But we could hear this. So Kyron turned around <laughs> and goes, yeah, thanks very much. Cheers. <laughs> and he looked at me and we both laughed and then they walked out. And I thought, oh, my word. He doesn't need to hear that, doesn't he, did. But he did... What he did. Pinter, he won a frame, he won it very well. Um, but it was just, that snooker from John is the most complete week of snooker there's ever been. Absolutely oh, oh, stunning. Yeah, as you say, the Selby one was mental, mental. But this is why snooker at the moment is so good. And I keep telling people this. The, the purple patch we're in right now, if you look, if you look at the best 10 players ever, there's more of those players actively playing now than there ever has been in the history of snooker, yeah. okay? People talk about Judd's dominance, and Judd's won five ranking events this season. He won six last season, yeah. breaking the record. Yes, he's been dominant, but you know what? Selby's won one. Ronnie's the world champion. John Higgins proved the other week he can destroy absolutely anyone if his mind's yeah. on it, yeah? it's the, the period that we're in right now, I, I think it's been underestimated and understated, this is the best snooker we have ever seen. Yeah? yeah. You look at the players we've got coming up to the World Championships. I mean, I, I talked about Sean there, but Neil Robertson could win it. Judd could win it. Jack Lisowski could win it. Yeah? Selby could win it. Ronnie could, could very easily win it. Higgins could win it. You've got so many players. If you actually look at a tournament, you think, God, how is Judd doing what he does? Because the quality around him is ridiculous. Jack Lesowski the other week, but he he now holds the record for the most ranking event finals without winning one. Yeah. I think he's had his fifth, I think. In those finals, he's had Judd three times, I think Robbo once and Selby once. Nice. Well, as Judd said in his interview afterwards, you know, give the kid a break. It's a tough crew, is it? Oh, you know, he's up against absolute world. He's up against players there that are in the top 10 of all time.
0: It's an Andy Murray situation, isn't it, you know? The three that he had to play in his whole career, you know? It's tough.
2: It is, but it is. As a spectator, as a fan, to watch it at the moment is, is just incredible because the level that we are being treated to, and yeah, you know, Ronnie, Mark, John, they are the same age as me. You know, I feel very old. They are getting towards the end of their career, but they've all proven that they can still do it. You know, they can still win these big events, and they can still put these younger, newer guys to the sword, you know, when, when they want to. So, you know, the, the state that snooker is in at the moment, and I've got to take my hat off to everyone at World Snooker Tour for what they've done keeping the sport going throughout everything that's been going on. It's
0: been Absolutely great. amazing, isn't it?
2: It's ridiculous. I mean, you know, the lengths they've gone to to make sure we're all safe, we're all, you know, secure in our environment. But more than that, that the players are earning, the staff are earning, the you know, people like me are earning. You know, i I spent five months last summer with nothing at all. You know, no work, no support, nothing whatsoever. And it's tough. And there's there's people out there now who are still in that position. I've been really lucky that, you know, I've I've had some work with the snooker. And for those players to be able to keep earning, developing, growing the game and everything else, has been brilliant for the fans, for them to have live snooker to watch. I know for a lot of people, it's been an absolute godsend. Oh, it's amazing! Brilliant. Shut up in the houses, but every week there's a tournament to watch, and it's been it's been absolutely brilliant and a real treat. But that is that's down to pure bloody mindedness and hard work from Barry and then everyone at World Snooker Tour to to be so determined to keep this thing going. That and for them to have achieved that is nothing short of phenomenal. You know, they 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 really are complete miracle workers.
1: How many times do you have to get tested then, um, Phil, for the COVID, you know, to, whether you're positive, negative, etc.
2: start of every event. Is it? Yeah, so next week, for example, we're, the tournament runs Monday to Sunday, so I have to get there the Sunday, have a test. Now, literally, I'll have the test and go to my hotel room and wait and, uh, and wait for them to text me or whatever to say, yep, yeah, you're all clear, you're good. Down, get a wristband on, and then you, you're good to go. But yeah, it's, it's every event, so... You know, and you, you sign, like, forms as well to say that if during the event you get a high temperature, a sore throat, loss of taste or smell, you've got to tell them. Yeah. And they have the rapid test kits there that even though – I mean, we, we you know, we are allowed to go out. So I go out running and that kind of thing. And, you know, you, it's not advisable, but if you want to pop to local shop to get something you can do, obviously, I, you know, I'm very careful because I – I've got a family to provide for, I need to be earning. So I'm I'm careful what I do anyway. But if you do have any symptoms, they'll get a rapid test to you. You can do the rapid test and get the results straight away. You know, they they really are spot on.
1: Brilliant. With the Snooker's Biggest Loser, we're actually Team Phil. I'd hope so. (laughs) But... We are hoping Sean comes on just to talk talk a little bit more about it, just to give a bit more publicity to the the charities, etc. Ironically, for someone that doesn't do any exercise, he seems to have done a bit of a runner. Um, I, so, if you could give him a nudge, just so we can so we can get to the conclusion of this. But we do wish you all the best on that, and compliments on the wine choice as well, which has been fantastic so far.
0: Yeah, thank you very much, Phil. Um, as as we wrap up, mate, um, what's on the horizon for you? The snooker tournament's coming up. What else is happening? Is there rugby? Is there fishing? You know, Fishermania or whatever it is.
2: I've got the Tour Championship next week, live on ITV4 all week, uh, Monday to Sunday. That is a, a snooker fan's dream because it's the best eight players in the world right now. Best of, I think it's best of 19, all the matches. So it's all sort of full day, afternoon and evening session matches. One table set up from the start. Brilliant. Tour Championship's fantastic. After that, yeah, hoping they get the crowds back for the rugby and the boxing, everything's sort of dependent on crowds coming back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The sooner the better. Um, Alongside what I do in sport, I do some training work as well. So I work in the automotive sector. So once all that starts to open up, I've got a few projects that I'm working on within that as well. So I've got some work with Mercedes-Benz, some work with Porsche, uh, Great Britain as well. So there's sort of that side as well, but it's just all sort of based on everything, opening back up and, and getting back up and running again. So, But yeah, hopefully Fishermania in summer. um, We'll get some more boxing going back on the rugby. It's the Rugby League World Cup later on this year. So hopefully I did the last one of those over here. Fingers crossed they'll uh, get me into some of those as well because that was a a real treat. So um, yeah, it should be a great year once everything starts to properly open back up.
0: Well, um, thanks very much for coming on the show, mate. And uh, we wish you all the best. And hopefully we can see you at the
2: Crucible. You never know. Well, hey, who knows? Fingers crossed. But I believe you've got a friend of mine coming on as a guest in the next couple of weeks or next week, a guy called Lee Isaacs, right? Yeah, that's right. Right now, I'm gonna introduce him because Lee Lee is one of life's true nut jobs. The man is incredible. His <laughs> appetite for wine and playing the guitar are second to none. Just if anyone before the podcast comes out, if you want to look at him, he's Wine Man147. The guy reviews wine whilst playing his guitar, okay? His Instagram videos are phenomenal. But what he doesn't know about wine isn't worth knowing. And I've got to say that because he's dropped me and Ken Donnerty a a couple of nice bottles off the other week uh, down in Milton Keynes because it's quite local to him, so he looks after me when I'm down there. But do you know what, guys? You're going to have a real laugh with him, but pick his brains on wine because I'm a wine drinker. He actually knows about
1: the stuff. <laughs> same as us, mate. The same we're, as us. We're actually quite excited about the choice. He's just—he's about to message us this week to say which one he's choosing for for uh, his pod. So uh, we're really looking forward to that one as well.
2: Oh, that you know, I was on his social media earlier on, he's talking about a pecorino. Is uh, it a Pecorino? No. Um, he's he talking about one earlier on that I've never tried, and it was. Yeah, I saw it. Sort of looked at him and thought, I need to try that. So he he puts these little seeds in your head. And at the moment, I've got to try and ignore them. But in a month's yeah. time, I'll be paying a lot more attention, put it that way. You
1: can get torn into that in a month's time, mate, yeah. We might even get you back on once you're allowed to have a glass with us.
2: <laughs> Thank you, guys. It's been an absolute pleasure, anyway.
1: All right. Thank you very much, Phil. Cheers now.
2: Cheers, boys. Take care. Thank you.
1: So, that's it for this week. Please like, follow, subscribe and whatever else you do to make sure you stay in the loop. Until next time, we've been smoothies and Wine.